How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another of JD's quest for the One Piece. I feel like my adventures are just going further and further. This would be episode four, or technically we will also call this the Punk Hazard Arc. Yes, your boy can safely say uh, the box set that I was purchased, it ends on volume 70, uh, which is essentially the ending of Punk Hazard. In the middle of it, it uh, starts to extend to what we call the Dress Rosa Arc. Uh, that is going to be a massive undertaking, a massive arc to come next. Hopefully you're going to be able to get guests on once again. I've had a little bit of a break having guests on just because I feel like these in-between arcs, uh, the Fishman arc and the Punk Hazard arc, were a little bit more um, concise. I didn't have to talk about broad, broad things because uh, it is pretty kept into where it is with the crew. So this will be a discussion about the Punk Hazard, which takes place right after Fishman arc. Uh, so spoilers will be ahead. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this content. I am not the all-knowing, encompassing One Piece fan or stan. I am basically just the guy that's trying to enjoy this adventure that we are all taking together. Some of you probably are watch just watching it now, hearing all the hype. Some of you have finished and watched it three times over or read it three times over. I am here to just say that I am that, uh, I'm that starting voice. Um, so getting into it, uh, because I'm on my own, I'm definitely not gonna be able to like ask people, um, like I did with my guest Andrew on, like, what did you like about it? I'd more want to just talk about a few things that I've written down for the notes, uh, because how this whole basically thing starts for the punk hazard arc is right after the Fishman arc and them trying to make their way to three possible islands uh, using the the compass that they were given to like, all right, you got to pick one of the three. Usually the one that freaks out most on the compass is the one that's going to have the most danger, which of course everyone knows, Luffy knows that he wants the challenge. And you kind of find out that Smoker is uh, one of the pretty much Navy men that's always been on the hunt for for Luffy and the gang, and he's run into them many times over many adventures. And it always just seems to either they just let him go or things work out to where it's almost like they work together. So for one of the Navy people, I, I like some of them, but Smoker is definitely on the high list for for Navy people I do enjoy, and there's kind of a reason behind that, uh, which I could go more into as we keep talking about this. But nonetheless, what turns out is uh, if you're ever on Luffy, things don't even go that way. Of one through three, pick which one. How about number four, which is behind the three? They somehow end up in this like underwater like current that drags them with a bunch of whales into completely off the path, like completely like there was no way anyone would have kind of expected to land on it, and they end up landing on Punk Hazard, this pretty much inhabitable island that is both half ice and half fire, like constant lightning storms. It's just a bitch to get to, and it looks terrifying from a distance. It's literally just looks non-inhabitable. And the kind of cool thing is, though I was not a fan of not being able to see it, it turns out this was a great conflict between Akainu, the, the lava guy, one of the three admirals, and uh, Akiji or Akoji, the frost guy. Um, when Sengoku, the original leader of all the uh, Navy and all that stuff, decided to step down after the Paramount War, after Whitebeard had been, you know, killed. Ace had been killed and like the new age of pirates has begun and kind of things just aren't going to uh, be the same way. Um, they had a battle that lasted for 10 days on this island and the outcome 
went to Akainu, the lava guy, he actually won, which makes more sense. Fire versus ice. I'm sorry, ice can never beat fire because it will melt. But the fact that it went on for 10 days and it happened on this island, it literally caused the whole like ecosystem to shift. And I found that to be really cool. I would have liked to seen the fight, but One Piece has so much shit going on. Just like when Ace kind of like faces off against Blackbeard and you see a little bit of it and then it just cuts to like you're not going to see anything else that happens. One Piece just does it like that. And it's more to build on the lore of like this great battle happened here. So that, that that's all right, you know. It's definitely not the biggest deal, but either way, like an old fashioned, they, they got to check out this place. You know, you know, you know, Luffy's down for adventure, but what they like to do in One Piece fashion is why don't we split up the gang and they draw straws for who's going to make it on, on the uh, island together, which I thought was pretty, pretty funny because Usopp, who hates doing this shit, actually drew straws. And I'm pretty sure he went on there with Robin, Zoro and Luffy. So the four of them set out on this adventure, then they get on this fucking island, and uh, there's a little, you know, Usopp isn't my favorite character, but I did enjoy him kind of like having to push through it, even though he didn't want to do it, if that makes any sense. So throughout this whole thing, you find out, I'd say it's pretty, pretty fucking simple, is that there's some, some weird shit going on here. Uh, they run into a dragon, I'm pretty sure, in the uh, opening of this. Like, where the fuck have you seen a dragon? Am I right? A lot of things are going off. Uh, basically, not, not really hard for Luffy. Uh, of course, Zoro. I mean, you got pretty much the good squad going on here. Robin's there. I would not be worried if I was in that group, especially if I'm Usopp. It's like, come on, man. I got like three of the best right here. So... I'm going to, you know, sum it up, of course. I'm not going to go down every fucking detail. I read, I think it was like four volumes worth is kind of like Punk Hazard, or maybe three. It's not the biggest one. So in the midst of all this, they happen to run into Trafigular Law. And I don't know if I said his name, Trafigular Law. He's one of the supernovas. He was one of the um, younger pirates before the time skip that, you know, had his own group, had over 100 million Barry's bounty. He turns out to be there. And a little bit of time has passed, just like everything else. You find out he became one of the warlords of the sea, one of the seven. That's a pretty fucking big deal. So he's definitely moved himself up. So in this whole midst of things going on, you find out he's there because he's pretty much guarding the front gate to when Smoker and Tashigi, which is his you know right-hand woman, are trying to catch Mr. Luffy and all that. They're trying to figure out, okay, he went this way. They've been kind of tracking him for a very long time. And they end up on the same island, just on the other side of it. And Law is pretty much telling him, no one's here. Leave me be. I'm doing my own thing. Because Warlords of the Sea are technically allowed to do what they want as long as it doesn't contradict or go against the Navy. So, which was kind of crazy is that all of a sudden you see like Smoker, you know, all right, you know. I don't like it, but I'm going to let it go. And at the same time, that's why like things just start happening, and I'm not breaking it down in detail. But Luffy and his friends are pretty much shown leaving the facility, and it makes it pretty much look like, okay, you're up to something. And Law actually has to step in, and he basically takes out both Tashigi and Smoker quite quickly. His fucking devil fruit power makes it so anything in his domain, he can almost cut with razor-like precision and he does this certain power that allows you to steal the heart of a person pull it out of their body and yet they can still live they can still operate it's like the heart has not been destroyed so they don't have to worry about it but then 
the po- the problem is is that if he decides to like stab it, crush it, or whatever, any kind of just light grabbing of your heart puts anyone onto their knees. So essentially, he owned um, Smoker, and in the midst of all this, Luffy being kind of like the ditz that he is sometimes does not even notice. He's like, "Oh, you guys are here," but he doesn't know like what Law's doing to him or anything like that. It's just kind of funny that it ends up that way to where he's just like, hey, you're here, so am I. By the way, I still appreciate you for helping because Luffy is all about getting back at people. Um, And I thought that was pretty cool about it. Um, In the midst of all this, when they're trying to run, Luffy didn't know that also Nami and a chopper and Sanji at separate times had also tried to make their way onto the island because they were worried about them. And they had ran into law way beforehand and didn't know, you know, Law didn't know Luffy was there and all the time. And he actually did this weird-ass fucking shit where he's also able to change the bodies of the people there. If that makes any sense to me, I don't know. All these powers are fucking ridiculous at this point. It's whatever. So, Nami is essentially put in Frank's body. You know, the big, uh, pretty much robot type of man. Chopper is in Sanji's body. And... Uh, Sanji is in Nami's body, um, thanks to Law's op-op fruit. So I guess that, you know, that's how we call it, op-op fruit, probably because, like, operating table. So either way, as it looks from the outside, Law is working with this uh, person um, called Caesar. Um, Caesar Clown, uh, a scientist that is doing experiments on children on the island. Uh, he was basically a right-hand man or assistance to a doctor named Vegapunk. And Vegapunk is fucking... Someone that is, I guess, hated, though by the end of this uh, this arc, I feel like he was the one trying to stop everything, if I got that correct. But essentially, um, Frankie's the one that meets Vegapunk on his two-year time skip, so Frankie knows a lot about this. But yeah, uh, Law is essentially helping this guy clown. He does not know that he's working on children, but he is working with him for some unknown reason at the time. So he does have to kind of like stop Nami and all them. So their bodies are changed. Do I think it was cool? It was interesting just because I did find joy in Sanji being in Nami's body and then like like could not keep himself calm from the sensation that it was. And then constantly Frankie, who is now Nami in his body, is like beating the shit out of him every time. Like, you don't do anything to my body. You know, it's just a little jokes that usually happen when anybody swaps out. I, I like to think of uh, when I was a child, the Scooby-Doo movies, the live action one, where they switch in dresses. And then it's like, why the hell am I wearing a dress? And then it's just Shaggy checking himself out in Velma's outfit. So it's just more of the joke of that. And I found that to be pretty, pretty funny. Though, once again, I'm doing everything on manga. So when I watch this, eventually going through it with my buddy Devin from the beginning... Um, with him, maybe I'm going to get more laughs because the deliverance and the acting will be a lot better. But um, yeah, so we go down to it. Let's break it down here. So Caesar the Clown, uh, another villain that's kind of um, like Gecko Moria um, from uh, previous arcs. I didn't touch on him too much, but I almost, the consensus with a lot of my friends that have watched One Piece, at least in my little spear, um, are basically saying that Gecko Moria was kind of lame, and I think that Caesar is a little lame. I, I understand there has to be mad scientist type of people that just want ultimate power, don't care about other people's lives, blah, blah, blah. That's a very wishy-washy, easy thing to do 
and most of these shonens. So for me, I wasn't a big fan of him, but you definitely feel more that he is a, a cold-blooded person because he's performing these things to children. Uh, they're being fed this drug that makes them go into rage mode when they don't have them. Uh, basically, they were told, you know, all right, ready to get your candy. These little kids were essentially brought in or taken from their families and said that, you know, there's a horrible disease you guys have and we're trying to save you and stop others from having this very horrible disease. And a lot of little kids were like, oh, that's that's fucking thank you. Uh, that, that means the the world to us. We're going to do it for our parents so we can see them again, not knowing that they're being fed this drug that almost if they don't take their candy over time, it's like you have the worst withdrawals and you can die. Um, and this candy from his experimentation is making them large, huge, almost like they're six years old, five years old, but they're probably the size of Frankie, which if you see is a huge robot. So they're essentially being fed this to become a new world of giants. And as you go down the, the arc, which I'm just going to talk about the entirety of uh, Caesar's plan, essentially, is that he then makes these young kids become bigger and bigger, becoming more of like these huge, massive giants so they can aid, um, from what I'm hearing, is Kaido the Beast, one of the, um, oh, what was it, the four, shit, see, I'm spacing out here. The four emperors, that's what it was, the four emperors. So you get the seven warlords, now you get the four emperors, which are like above them, and they don't work for the Navy. They're like pretty much the all be all like that's pretty much what red hair is. He's one of them. So it's like Caesar clown is kind of like making them an army because he wants to, Kaido wants to have like millions or probably hundreds of thousands of basically strong men in his army, uh, to take out everybody. And on top of that, there's more to it, which I will touch on in a second about what else. Caesar is doing for another person. But uh, yeah, so in the midst of all this running, uh, Caesar Clown had the cool brothers try to find them um, and basically help out taking down Luffy's crew, which doesn't work because in the end, Law was technically working kind of his own plan. His own plan is to take out pretty much one of, or if all, the uh, four emperors, but he wanted to take out a specific one, one. So he decides to ask Luffy if they would work together for an alliance, which I find very interesting. Not only interesting, but it's funny that out of all the supernovas, I found Law. Maybe it was his attire, or maybe it was the way his um, character, like characterization, and the way he's just drawn and he looks and everything about him. I found him to be next to the kid one of the coolest. And I was like, yeah, I hope they do a lot more with Law. And then bing, bam, boom, by the time we get to Punk Hazard, and he's kind of got his own decision on what he wants to do in the future, and like he's got his own secret plots. He finds Luffy, realizes Luffy kind of likes him, and he's indebted to him. He's like, hey, you want to work together, my pirates and your pirates, and we're going to bring down the emperors. And Luffy, you find out, was like, yeah, I want to take down all four. That means even red hair. He wants to be better than all of them because he's going to be king of the pirates. So, yeah, that, that, that's the crazy thing. And they come up with this elaborate plan of, like, they're going to capture the doctor, um, basically, so that way um, they can use him as leverage. At that time, you don't know what that leverage is for. It's like, okay, you don't want to, like, defeat him. You don't want to kill him. You just want to capture him. And um, 
in the midst of the fighting between Toshigi and Smoker when they fought Law, their bodies also were switched. So you have Smoker and Toshigi's body and Toshigi and Smoker's. Um, and just want to say, once again, Smoker being a Toshigi's body, he's not like, hey, I got to sexualize or be all lovey-dovey, but he likes to wear, be comfortable like he does when he's Smoker. So he's still smoking like huge cigars, even though he's in Toshigi's body. And he has his jacket like almost popped open. So her boobs are hanging, but he's not doing it in a way to be sexual. He just wants to be comfortable. He needs to breathe. And it's just, it's kind of ridiculous, but either way. Um, yeah, so either way, in the midst of all this stuff and the crew is trying to stop Caesar the Clown, they're also trying to get some of the kids to lean off the the candy that's making him go ape shit. And Chopper being a doctor, now pretty much everyone at this time is off the boats trying to help you know, the kids, they're trying to help Luffy, and, and a mass of them are on this island, but they're always showing it to be in different locations. A lot of different things are going on in the manga where they have to say, like, level A, level E, level C. They're all in different spots, and in the midst of all this, Caesar decides to finally create this ultimate slime weapon um, that becomes an explosion of gas that essentially is just this impooling thing of death. And before both Akainu and Akoji fought on this island to try to make one or the other, you know, the new leader of the Navy, there was like an explosion, um, a massive explosion that almost killed everybody on the island from what I'm gathering. And it happened when Vegapunk and Caesar were there working on certain experiments. And for the longest time, it was known that Vegapunk caused the explosion four years ago that destroyed and made the planet I mean, not the planet, the uh, island, unlivable. So, it's there's just so much that happens in this arc at this at this very set time. You know, you have basically Caesar Clown trying to still commit experiments on the island, test things out, summon this big slime ball. You have Law pretty much there, kind of telling Luffy and the others, "I'm really not working for Caesar. I'm basically doing my own thing. I got a plan." And then you kind of meet this samurai guy who, when you first meet, is cut up into pieces, three different pieces. And that's thanks to law, obviously, because, he, you know, you're allowed to live even though your body's in multiple pieces. But you meet this samurai guy, and I did not write his fucking name down, so I'm going to look at my manga here because it should give me his name. I got to try to memorize all these fucking guys. Da, 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 da. Foxfire Kinon. So his name is Kinon. And this samurai is trying to find his uh, lost son, uh, Momonosuke, or Sukie, Momonosuke, or whatever, something like that, his younger son, who has been lost on the island, and of course most of the children had been taken, so it's obvious that his son is probably on this island. And it's kind of like a glimpse into the Wano arc, because these samurai are from Wano, or the island of Wano. So it's kind of like already giving you a sneak peek into what's to come in the future, because I've heard nothing about good things but about the Wano arc. So I know I'm probably a little ways away, but yeah, so they meet the samurai. So in the midst of all of this, he had to get his body back, and then he's trying to find his son while this slime thing that Caesar summons becomes this huge gaseous gas that's extending from one part of the island and making its way all the way to the laboratory where everyone is starting to like pile up in. Um, it's, it's just like a massive, like undertaking and in the midst of all this stuff going on and law trying to get the upper hand against 
um, you know, Caesar Clown, there's this guy named Vice Admiral Virgo, a Navy officer who secretly works for the Don Flamingo organization. For the longest time, he was kind of just laying in wait on the, as one of the admirals, constantly seeming like he cares about his Navy men. He worked with law, stuff like that. Nothing to really show that he was technically working for Don Flamingo, uh, which is one of the also seven warlords of the sea. And he shows up there and pretty much expected Law to be doing something and uh, captures him. Pretty much gets the better of Law because at that time, Law had cut out his own heart um, and shown it to Caesar so that way Caesar could trust him. It was a very big switcheroo that definitely pays off by the end of this arc. And I'm going to butcher the hell out of it, but you know, I'll just say very, very clever. So with Luffy and all the others captured at this point because of Virgo's help and basically uh, this harpy girl, which was a pirate at one point or someone, and then basically made herself into this harpy, um, they capture him, put him outside so the gas will kill them. Little did they know, you can't keep them down. You know, Law, you know, Luffy, all of them, they always have a plan. And they battle their way back into the laboratory and they come out with this essentially called counterattack. And in this counterattack, Law's goal was to pretty much beat uh, Caesar Clown, but more of like he needed to get to Virgo. His point was to get to Virgo. Smoker, it was essentially that he wasn't, you know, supposed to be fighting Virgo. And then Luffy was going to take out Caesar the Clown. So in the midst of all this, um, I say that the plan for them was to basically, all right, you're going to take out him. But it didn't go exactly the way it was supposed to at first. There, Luffy and the few that were captured, they managed to escape, like I said, thanks to Frankie's smokescreen. Um, this allows Smoker and Toshigi on the island to live and have their bodies back in exchange because Law also gives them their body back. And in the middle of this thing, I'm pretty sure Luffy fights Virgo for a second, um, almost getting the upper hand, but Harpy does interfere, um, causing an interference. But Sanji and Virgo, they basically have a kickoff, which I always appreciate. They both like to kick. So they're facing for a little bit while Law is planning on taking out the SAD, SAD as it's supposed to be uh, known for. But uh, Flamingo is then calling Virgo in the midst of all this chaos. And it's kind of weird, but essentially he's getting uh, like Don Flamingo is being attacked while he's making this phone call. And it was kind of like just interesting to see how like he does not phase by someone trying to kill him, which turns out to be one of his subordinates. I'm sure we're going to get into that when we get to the Dress Rosa, but I was like, what the fuck? So, um, yeah, he gets away. Uh, Virgo, I mean, gets away and ends up in the same facility of where um, Law is and they have to face. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Virgo beats the shit out of Law. And that's probably because we know at the end he didn't want to go full out because Virgo had his heart. And if he would have pretty much squished it right then and there, he would have been dead. So he pretty much almost had to look like he was constantly losing. Smoker, of course, shows up and gives a hand. Um, and in the midst of when uh, Harpy attacked Luffy, he found his way into a trash suit, almost kind of a trash shoot, kind of like the Star Wars that you saw on uh, Last Hope, where they're all stuck in that trash compartment. And that's where he finds this weird, small dragon. And that's Monosuke which is the young boy that uh, the samurai, Kinon, has been looking for. Why is he a dragon? Well, he accidentally ate a fruit. 
And it's like, oh, the devil fruit. Yes. And up until this point, everyone has seemed to be able to find devil fruits. It's rare, but a lot of people have fruit powers. But this is the first time you hear that it is an artificial fruit. An artificial fruit. So now we're getting into a new hockey ability as of the latest couple of uh, you know volumes I've reading, and I'm starting to get further past the time skip arc, and I've learned about hockey. Now we're learning that devil fruits can be artificially created to almost to what you suit. I mean, Caesar is definitely, you can say one thing about him. He's, he's ahead of his time. He's able to create these things. So him being transformed to a dragon was his own type of fruit. And it's very interesting. And it's basically, they're, um, Caesar is making this smile fruit. It's called smile um, that Don Flamingo wants because he is basically an arms dealer. He can, he, guns, weapons, fruits, probably, you know, secrets, anything you can think of. Um, and that's the whole point to why Law is trying to capture him and trying to destroy all the stuff that makes this artificial um, devil fruit. Because obviously making a shit ton of devil fruit is kind of overpowered in its own right. Um, it, I find it to be something of like, all right, so there's more to this. Um, that we're getting into, and I don't mean to veer off track of me trying to tell what goes on, but either way, yeah, the whole thing ends up being is that once Law is able to get his heart back because of the help of Smoker and everything like that, everyone, you know, thought, like Don Flamingo even thought that, like, Virgo was still too powerful for Law, and Law's like, you almost don't realize how much time I've taken in getting stronger and whatever, and he was able to beat Virgo single-handedly. And the thing about fights like with Caesar Clown and then Luffy showing up, they kind of get into a fight. I don't count them as really big fights because for villains like these, Luffy is able to like one, two punch them and they're done. There's just nothing stopping them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like Luffy it can go face people way above Caesar's rank. This was more of like getting the kids out, saving them from having to take more of the candy. Pretty much at this point, Smoker and Toshigi's like navy men are working with the pirates to get off this island and to run away from this poisonous gas that like encompasses and like just embodies and becomes everybody, like just envelops everyone. And then they almost are you find out they don't die instantly, but they will die in a matter of hours. Um and that's my only gripe is like, yeah, you guys still can't really kill off anybody, but it's it's totally cool. I get it. Well, you know, I got to stop beating up on Shonen for not showing as much death as that needs to be. But uh, other than that, yeah, when uh, Luffy mega punches motherfucking Caesar across the basically laboratory, he lands outside the facility and near Thousand Sunny. And at this whole point, Frankie had been away from the combat and the and the situation for quite a long time. Uh it's been a point when Law made his, you know, alliance with Luffy and all of them. He had switched everyone back to their original bodies because they're an alliance. Things were going down. And um it, it, a bunch of stuff happened and you find out Frankie's been watching the Thousand Sunny the whole time. Basically in this huge robot that he built. I think it's called the General and he's not affected by the the uh, the gas while he's out there. So Don Flamingo kind of being worried for Caesar, not because he cares about him, but because he needs his brain for science and every fucking thing you can think of, because he creates not only 
young children to be huge barbarians, hopefully, but also gives out an artificial devil fruit that gives devil powers. He decides to send out two of his uh, people, uh, one that's like a, just a walking tank flying thing, and, a, and another one is a girl that literally has the fruit to transform into any weapon you can think of. Like, her head will just turn into a machine gun, and she'll start blasting. Her arm will turn into a blade. It's kind of cool how they're getting further and further into wackiness, kind of like JoJo's. And they send him on the retrieval to get Caesar. Little do they know that Frankie's actually uh, done some growing up too. And he's able to hold his own against them both. Uh, because Law's plan was to get Caesar while Luffy didn't think of that. He just wanted to knock his brains out because of what he did to the children and all that stuff. Luffy is a very simple, but he doesn't like you know, torturing, uh, abusing, name-calling even. like It's just like... His name calling when he calls people like wimpy or something is not the same as like people that are literally like insulting, if I could say that. But yeah, they didn't know that Frankie packs a little bit of a punch and um, it was able to, you know, keep the two people that Don Flamingo had at bay. But then what kind of was crazy is that Don Flamingo gets very upset about these, very irritated because he's knowing that Law and Luffy are actually foiling his plans um and he starts heading out and i don't know his powers yet fully and anyone listening and after they hear this they want to really talk to me on the discord because i'm trying to take it all in gotta watch all this other anime um i'm trying to read it i'm now on to volume 71 and dress rosa will be a slow process so the the amount of time for this episode in the next maybe a minute but he was able to just fly he was like, I don't know if he was flapping his wings or if he was just gliding. You know, it's hard to tell on a manga compared to like if I watch the anime. But that boy just started dipping. He started heading for where he thought Punk Hazard was and he just started flying. So I was like, oh, this boy can just go out there and do it himself. He don't even need a ship. He don't need nothing. He's just flying out there. And by the time he gets there, though, he finds um, no Caesar. And he finds two of the people he sent pretty much uh, kind of cut up and, and just left there. They're not dead. They just separated like Law normally does. Um, and Toshigi and Smoker went their separate ways. They agreed to pretty much let Law and Luffy go once again just this once. The Navy guys, though, they insulted him saying, you know, there's a funny moment where they're like, don't cross this line. And then, you know, Luffy would just walk across the line. It was just cool. And then, like, Sanji would feed his side, and then everyone from the Navy side would cross the line to go eat. And they're like, hey, I thought you said the lines. Like, not just not this one time. It's like, you know, it's just how it was. It turned out that, you know, the Navy and the pirates could kind of work together, and it's all more of once again, you know, you're just supposed to hate each other because one's Navy and one's pirate, and this kind of, like, breaks the mold. But, yeah, they go on their way, and Law is now accompanying Luffy on this journey to go meet his crew um, and head their way to basically Don Flamingo's uh, home estate in Dress Rosa. But this is where I want to add some things to the end of this that I found really cool uh, was Law's sleight of hand. When he initially gave his heart, um, or at least uh, the heart that was supposed to be his, and Caesar took that in, Caesar also had some thoughts that he was being betrayed, so that's why he wanted it. Um, what he really did is was he, he gave Harpy's heart because at one point he had sliced her heart as well. And through all of this, Caesar had 
Harpy's heart for a very long time. And when he got punched and knocked away, he was so mad. He's like, fuck it. You know, Harpy, if you read me, press the big button in my facility and just send everyone up in a heaping smoke. I don't care. I'm not going to let anyone get away from this. So she's like, yeah, no problem. And he got so mad. He was like, I'm going to show law what's business. I'm going to stab this fucking heart or crush it and, and, and kill him. And some part of me was like, there's no way. Or at least Frankie's going to come down, stop him from being able to do it or something like that. But he fully does it. And as she's about to press the button, she dies because he literally squeezed the heart that was hers. And I found that pretty much awesome. That law was that sleight of hand type of dude. Like that was just, that was, that was a, that was OP. That was pretty badass. I'll say that. And the whole time he pretty much had his number. But the second play that law had was that he wanted to capture Caesar. Because he wants to make a deal with Don Flamingo. And he told him that he wanted him to leave the seven warlords. Or he'd keep Caesar and he would never get his artificial fruit. Because though Don Flamingo is so powerful, he said you basically give all this stuff to Kaido the Beast, one of the emperors. And if you were not able to do that, that would look bad on you and you would get the repercussions. And he basically told him, you know how that would go. And you could tell, even though like Flamingo kind of laughs, he's like never going to truly show his hand, it did worry him. And the very next day, they look at the paper because he said, you have 24 hours to comply. And once you comply, we'll leave Caesar in a certain location, and you can pick him up. The next morning, though, he wakes up, and the news breaks out everywhere that uh, Flamingo had quit his title. He gave it up. And uh, at the same time... All the other younger pirates, certain ones, I can't name them all, the, the supernovas, have, as we've kind of claimed, have all now decided to form an alliance um, of their own. Like, you know, we got Law and Luffy, and then we got basically Kid and someone else I think was making... Hold on, let me look at this. I want to make sure I get some of these right, because there was a pretty big amount of people making alliances on here. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay, yep, it's the Kid Pirates. I knew it was the Kid Pirates. The Kid Pirates, the On-Air Pirates, and the Hawkin Pirates form an alliance at the same time. So that's like a three-man alliance. That's a pretty big news as sir, as soon as they show that basically Don Flamingo has quit the, um, the Seven Warlords position. And then at that very same time, you find out Law and Luffy made an um, alliance, and almost everyone's doing that to dethrone or take down the Emperors. So... A lot of changes happening by the end of that. Um, and so with the business in Punk Hazard finished and Law had given Caesar and all that stuff away, which I don't think they had given him yet, but they were going to the meeting point in Dressrosa, it leads to believe that they're basically going to go there and, and do their best to uh, help out Law as best they can. Um, I think another news that everyone should be able to know is that the Seven Emperors, we already, I mean, uh, Seven Warlords was... Don Flamingo, but it ain't no more. But we still have Hawkeye, Mihawk, who I love, uh, Bartholomew, Bartholomew, Kuma, uh, of course, Boa Hancock, the Surgeon of Death, Law, uh, the genius Jester Buggy. I cannot believe Buggy has made it onto the uh, seven. That's kind of incredible. But uh, yeah, a lot of things to come, obviously. And. Uh, the crews head to Dressrosa to destroy more of the smile fruits that are made. Uh, there's more locations where this smile artificial devil fruit is being made. 
and it's just more expanding on the lore and what the adventures of One Piece are. Uh, the way it ends, though, for the like the final, I think, two pages of the book, it's essentially showing that Don Flamingo laughs and says, I'm pretty sure Luffy will want to negotiate for this, and it happens to be the flame flame fruit, which was what Ace's devil fruit was. Can you make multiple ones? Or was once someone's dead, they the fruit gets kind of made once again? Is it an artificial one that's made from smile? You be the judge or anyone that's listening knows what's happening, and I'm just on the quest to find out. I'm very curious to see what happens there. Um, I don't know if Luffy would be that upset that someone else has the flame flame fruit, or it's more going to be like, I want it just to remember my brother. Uh, so a lot of things to kind of digest there. Though I've kind of touched on it briefly, I want to just get my final thoughts on this and explain after Fishman arc. Uh, this is definitely a breath of fresh air. Um, I know my buddy Logan, who I will have on in future episodes, said uh, Punk Hazard wasn't his favorite. It was definitely not bad. His He liked Fishman arc more. I talked with Andrew, who was on before this episode and the Fishman episode. And he actually didn't like Fishman that much either, but thought Punk Hazard was pretty cool. And that's more of where I'm at. Fishman arc was a, a good change of pace because that you know you went through all that action, the two year skip. All right, we gotta kind of get us back together. And they go into an underwater world and meet a whole bunch of new people, open up the lore that had to do with the Arlong pirates. It was really cool, but I found the the action and the kind of like the shonen type of stuff where it's like more of adventure. Eh for me. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's because we, not too long ago, we were doing more stuff around the water. I mean, everything's around the water, but it's just an underwater thing didn't hit for me. Punk Hazard being a small island, but like the complete ecosystem and the environment changed because of a battle. And then there being dragons and then finding out there's artificial devil fruits and then finding out that Caesar, this whole fucking time, was the one that caused the explosion four years prior, wasn't Vegapunk. From what it was told is that he tried not to let that go like that. And then Caesar was like, fuck y'all. I'm made up of gas because of my type of fucking devil fruit. You can just get over it. So I thought that that was actually pretty cool. They were kind of doing some kind of new ideas. Now, was the final like conflict between at least Luffy and Caesar good? No. Was Law's kind of like fight with Virgo and um, Smoker involved, good. It was all right. But once again, you're kind of down to Law and Virgo had this kind of like chemistry with each other from years prior that we never got to see because you're never following any of these like side characters through their adventures. You're never, you're just following Luffy's crew or Luffy. Or if you see a flashback, you're following that flashback. So this whole conflict between Virgo and him and then a lot of people like in the Navy being so upset that Virgo would go evil. And it's like, it would have just been better to see Virgo way earlier on in the series. Maybe it's just a little here and there, but always showing that he's a part of the crew. He's always making sure that his men are doing their due diligence, that they're taking care of each other. And then when this finally comes and he shows up and he's supposed to be this like, holy shit type of guy, vice admiral, it would have, kind of carried more weight. Um, I could have missed some of that in, in all my manga readings, but I just felt like that's where it lacked. Like all the momentum, the ending was good. It was good, but I was more into the end of like, where are we going from here? 
how is this going to tie in with Don Flamingo? And from what I'm hearing is it's like the Joker type of thing. That's what his nickname is. And I've heard nothing but praise about this villain and that he's going to be one of my favorites. And I'm hoping so. Um, I haven't felt a villain that I could say is like one of my favorites since Crocodile. And the reason I liked that arc and then Impel Down was because it involved Crocodile and Crocodile was in the Paramount War. Everything had my favorite villain in it. And so I will say Punk Hazard was a step in the right direction. And it's definitely something that opens up more lore, opens up more shit to come. And now you have Kanun and his son who has been saved, Monosuke, um, who can switch in and out of his um his powers of becoming a dragon kind of kind of interesting uh they basically you know are going to be a part of the the crew as well and eventually they're going to make their way to Wano I'm guessing that's what involves and uh, my friends say that Monosuke is a very important part of the story so I'm definitely on the interesting I'm like I'm all in I'm still ready to go I'm still ready to kind of devour more one piece it's just there's always going to be some critiques that i think they should do when it comes to these villains that are supposed to be at the peak of the ending of the the arc and they just they give out lore but a lot of them lately have just been not very threatening to me maybe it's just the way i'm reading it like even in in the fishman arc i just did not feel anything to davy jones that much it's just maybe it's a me problem but uh other than that, I'm enjoying it. I'd like to end that uh, Monosuke is the most brilliant young child ever because he's so young. He literally takes a bath with Robin and he acts like he's, you know, really young and needs help and all that, getting his, his outfit back on. And, you know, all Sanji and all of them are so jealous, but also upset. I remember there was a scene where his dad's like, you must cut off your hair because you have dishonored your family. <laughs> it's just, it's just. It's pretty good. Uh, when Odo wants to be a perv ball, he definitely throws in the good shit. And um, I will say that seeing Law with the group of Luffy and all them, unless he has some hidden motivated things to like betray them, I think it's going to be a well-done alliance. And I think I'm going to like Law more and more as it goes down. I always like guys with swords that are kind of the quiet type, but still, you know, they, they, they say what they need to say. They have some of their quirky comments. He definitely is surprised by how Luffy is just so like doesn't talk to his own crew about the plan doesn't really but they just go with the flow for him um and I just can't wait to see the adventures uh for the future but yeah that is um the quest for the one piece for Mr. JD here Punk Hazard uh these two that were bef- uh you know right after having my my buddy Andrew on here there to talk about a more vast uh timeline and arcs uh, I'm hoping to do for the Dress Rosa. I'm I'm starting to see that Dress Rosa is going to be a bigger arc, and when the bigger arts arcs come, I want to have that other person to kind of like talk about key moments I maybe forget or really divulge into, like what makes someone else that's a heavy One Piece fan enjoy it, so I can definitely engage with them and see their perspective because I'm enjoying everything about it, but I'm definitely not feeling it like I am with like Hunter Hunter and other ones. But I'm definitely there. And I'm ready. Uh, so if you guys are enjoying this, please keep listening. Um, if you become a patron member, you're able to pretty much listen to these episodes a week or two early. Sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's two weeks. That's up to Mr. Samurai Whack on the Anime Brothers podcast to decide. 
Uh, but all you got to do is animebrothers.com slash, well, patreon.com slash animebrothers. Um, if you want to get any merch from us, you know, don't quote me apparel.com and you know, just search up for the uh, Anime Brothers podcast. And other than that, you know, find us like you always do. And uh, keep enjoying the One Piece with me. Uh, thank you for bearing with me. Uh, there may be a little break between this episode and the Dress Rosa arc, but there's a lot to take in. And I want to make sure I can try to do the best I can for y'all. So we will see you on the next adventure. His name is Luffy. That's Monkey D. Luffy. Made a rubber. How did that happen? Yo ho ho, he took a bite of gum gum. His name's alone, he's just like a samurai and a L-A-D-Y. Nami's not shy. Usopp's doing that marksman thing. Sanji's cooking, chopper's doctoring. Dio, 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 Dio,